You are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into this crossover Thursday episode of Locked On Saints, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day here, Monday through Friday, five days a week, covering your New Orleans Saints. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you choose to watch this season, whether you're at home or in the dome. Pepsi is the refreshment that you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers, because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching because the Saints had perfect attendance at practice on Wednesday. There isn't really an injury update for us on this Thursday episode, so we're going to get right into crossover Thursday with Brian Peacock of Locked On 49ers. Drew Brees, Michael Thomas, Eric McCoy, and Ryan Ramchick all limited, but no cause for concern early this week. However, is there cause for concern in this matchup for New Orleans? Brian and I talk Saints-Niners, a healing offense versus a decimated one, and two defenses heading in opposite directions thanks to the success or failure of one specific level. We got all that and a little bit of lanyard for you on this crossover Thursday edition of Locked on Saints, your team every day. Bringing you some of this Thursday content alongside Brian Peacock at BD Peacock, host of Locked on 49ers and one of the co-hosts of the National uh, Peacock and Williamson podcast as well. Uh, very excited to be here with you, Brian. Looking forward to this matchup this weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, it's got a lot to live up to with what we saw between these two teams last year, right? And and I have a feeling the 49ers might be the one that can't hold up their end of the bargain with, with what's going on with that <laughs> right now. There's a lot. There's a lot going on with both of these teams. And it, it, it is interesting that, of course, like these are two teams right now that are on opposite trajectories when it comes to the health of their team. But the 49ers, Kyle Shanahan, this is a system, this is a scheme that is very effective. And, you know, look, when you have a genius as your head coach, you never really get counted out. So this is a, a game that I think that Saints fans and the New Orleans Saints are not taking lightly, especially after the 48 to 46 display uh, last year that they got out of these two teams in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. What are your initial impressions as we kick this off here for our crossover Thursday uh, of this matchup between these two teams? Well, the the one thing that's that really sticks out to me is is sort of what I just mentioned there with how good it was last year. And this one from uh, Matt Barrows, 49ers beat writer for The Athletic, and he sort of put it very succinctly, and it was like, wow, yeah, th- that's how different this team is right now for the 49ers. Uh, last year, the offensive stars, there was four players that really had a big impact on the game last year when the 49ers met the Saints, and it was mm-hmm. George Kittle, Jimmy Garoppolo, Raheem Mostert, and Emmanuel Sanders. And of that group, only one player will be in uniform Sunday, and that is Emmanuel Sanders for the other team for the New Orleans Saints. So <laughs> uh, that tells you what's going on right now versus what was happening a year ago. Uh, that I, I'm just hoping the 49ers, after what I saw last week with the Saints, don't get blown out in this game because I don't even know. I, I didn't. The Saints were, by the way, the Saints were my team on the Peacock and Williamson podcast. Mm-hmm. I picked the Saints to win the NFC. And I was all about the Saints. I love how they looked on paper. I love the team I saw last year. I thought they they uh, underachieved at the end of the season. I thought they should have been in it at the very end. And now I'm like right about it, but I was feeling like, man, am I going to be wrong about this? Are the Saints going to sort of peter out? Like, what's going on with this Saints team? Who are they? Because I feel like they should be better than they did what they did to the Buccaneers last week. And it's like, okay, great. They're in perfect prime form now to face the 49ers. And they're the team <laughs> I thought they were going to be, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure that that's one of those things that kind of comes as a plus and a minus, certainly at certain points. And I know that for Saints fans, a lot of Saints fans and, and the Saints organization, very excited about the way that they performed 
in that 38 to 3 victory against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But, you know, when it comes to this team, we've also seen them, you know, blow coverages, particularly on the defensive side. The passing defense has been relatively weak so far this mm-hmm. season. So there's still some, uh, some sort of prove it moments remaining for the Saints here. And, you know, they've established now what they want their identity to be with that massive victory over a divisional opponent and over a top NFC opponent. And now they've got these next few games to really establish how much of that identity they're actually going to be able to live up to. And so I think this home game hosting the San Francisco 49ers here for the second season in a row, this gives them an opportunity to really figure out sort of, okay, if that was the peak, right? If there's a little bit of a drop off, what's going to be the new plateau in terms of the new standard, the new norm here? And the Saints, of course, had Michael Thomas come back last week. Emmanuel Sanders, who you referenced earlier, came back after missing two games on the COVID IR list. And the Saints, for the first time this season, had perfect attendance at practice on Wednesday night or Wednesdays uh, for Wednesday's practice. And wow. I think that's a huge thing for just sort of the confidence boost and the momentum that's moving forward. And that's, that's, that's of course, perfect attendance of their active roster. They have a not a heavily populated injured reserve list, but they have you know a couple of players like Sheldon Rankins, Justin Hardy, and a couple of key uh, bodies that are, of course, on injured reserve. But in terms of the guys that were available to them, they were all there for practice and ready to go. So this is a team that's looking to carry momentum forward and to uh, really establish essentially their the the cohesion that we expected them to have at the beginning of the season that they just didn't look like they had right off the top. Yeah, uh, and I have questions about that secondary because what was the difference last week? It looked like uh, Lattimore, like does maybe he get up for bigger games? Like, look, this is a big time matchup, and it, it looked like he had a little extra giddy up going there. I like. Uh, CJ Gardner Johnson. I like the attitude he brings. I think some of the players he covers, maybe even on his own team, don't like the attitude he brings uh, sometimes. <laughs> but uh, is it is it all upstairs? Is there you know schematic changes that were happening that maybe helped them out in the back end? Because I thought that was the biggest difference I saw in the Saints defense was how good they were covering, and those guys were all over the place. Yeah, I mean, I think that like the play calling and and, and the scheme for the Saints defense was was relatively consistent with what they've been doing so far this season, but it was just simply execution trust, uh, all the communication, all of those things just felt like they were in the right place for this team. The other part of it is that the secondary has been massively affected by the increased production of the pass rush as well. The pass rush for the New Orleans Saints since uh, week five right now in terms of pressure percentage is at the top of the NFL according to pro football focus right now. And the, 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 the sort of benchmark of that is that that was the return of Marcus Davenport. And with the return of Marcus Davenport came just this enormous eruption of uh, pass rush for this team. And I think that that has really benefited that back end to where even when they have missed out on a couple of opportunities in the secondary, we saw, you know, uh, uh, Rob Gronkowski run free up a seam on a fourth and six, but the ball got overthrown because of the pressure. And so I think that that's that that symbiotic relationship is really starting to pay off for them. But really, I mean, a lot of it is just that the heads in the game. We know that Marshawn Lattimore shows up to play Mike Evans. That's a matchup he's going to show up for any day, any time, and he's always ready to go with that. That is a not-so-unpublic uh, rivalry brewing between the two of those okay. at this point. And so I think that's a big part of it. But still, it's all confidence moving forward. And, and look, I know all too well how important it is for a pass rush. I mean, that mm-hmm. fixes so many ills on the back end, too. And guys don't have to cover as long. And like you mentioned, maybe... Some coverage breaks down, but there's no time for the quarterback to make the throw that he has to make. And it's one of the things that's hurt the 49ers so far this year, losing their both well, their top three best pass rushers because they traded Demarcus or they traded uh Divorce Buckner in the offseason. You miss Nick Bosa in week two, and he's right. done for the entire season, and he's 
was the most impactful player, maybe on the entire team. D Ford, he only played about 25% of the snaps last year, but he's so impactful on third downs when he's in there and he's been out as well. So the top mm-hmm. three pass rushers on that 49ers defensive line are out. And I think that's been one of the things that has really affected the 49ers defense, even though they've played pretty well despite those losses. It's just so much to overcome and you're putting so much on these cornerbacks. And luckily for the 49ers, they've gotten Jason Verrett just playing at an absurd level. He's been outstanding. Yeah. yeah he's been the guy that, you know, that we always knew he was, but injuries didn't allow him to be that guy. The, the same player we saw out of TCU early in his career with the Chargers, he's been that guy. And I think he's tied for the fourth best coverage grade for cornerbacks in the entire league, according to Pro Football Focus. And then Emmanuel Mosley's tended to be the guy who, that other teams are targeting. But, you know, it, it's tough when you have to go up against DK Metcalf and, and his quarterback is Russell Wilson. Then you got to go up right. the next week against Devontae Adams and his quarterback is Aaron Rodgers and they're gunning for you. So that's a tough situation for a young cornerback like Emmanuel Mosley, who I think is a really good player. It's a tough position for him to be in when your team doesn't have the pass rush they had last year either. So that's what's been going on recently with the 49ers secondary. And before we continue on with this episode of Locked on Saints, our crossover Thursday episode, why don't you know that this football season will be different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day. No matter how you watch this season, whether you're watching from home or in the dome, Pepsi is the refreshment that you need to power through game day and become a member of the league of football watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. And now that you've got that Pepsi in hand, maybe you want to grab yourself some Chinese food, some pizza, maybe you're craving a little bit of Froyo on the sweet side after you've had your meal. Well, no matter what it is that you want, you can let DoorDash take care of your next meal so you don't have to. DoorDash is the app that brings the food that you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Just open up the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with new contactless delivery drop-off settings. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees for their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code Locked On. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees for your first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code Locked On. Don't forget, that's code Locked On for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Let me ask you about for the 49ers over on the offensive side, obviously without George Kittle, uh, Debo Samuel mispractice on Wednesday and, and, and without uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and you know some of these running backs as well. Where do they turn? Are they making big adjustments, Kyle Shanahan and the team to you know, make have that offense propel, or do they just kind of plug and play and continue moving forward with the system? Yeah, the systems on both sides of the ball are interesting because on defense, I think Robert Sala has thrown a few more blitzes at teams to try to make up for the lack of pass rush. But mm-hmm. on the on the back end, he's kind of done things pretty much the same. And the 49ers don't run quite the strict cover three. He came from the Seattle scheme. They don't quite run the strict scheme that they started out running in 2017. He's added a wide nine front with defensive line coach Chris Kucerich and plays more standard three linebacker sets now than before mm-hmm. it was sort of a hybrid, you know, four three on the right side of the defense and a three four odd front on the left side of the defense. It's it's kind of more standard up front now with three true off ball linebackers and a little bit wider defensive ends in the wide nine. 
front and on the back end, still a lot of zone, still a lot of cover three, but they've worked in a little bit more too high safety looks, a little bit more man and a lot more quarters coverage than they have in the past. But still one of the big things that teams are able to do, and I expect this with Michael Thomas and, and Emmanuel uh, Sanders, and that they'll be able to do you know what they want, is they you kind of know where the 49ers defensive backs are going to line up because Jason Verrett, has been it used to be more of like a, a left cornerback right cornerback thing. Mm-hmm. Now it's field and boundary. So uh-huh. depending on what pass you're on, so Jason Verrett gets more space. He's on the field side, and then Emmanuel Mosley's on the boundary side. But then that that tells the deep the offense. The offense knows where those DBs are going to line up. So if there's something they want to target, they kind of know in advance where that's going to be. So that's one thing I would like to see Robert Sala change. And on the offensive side of the ball, scheme wise, Kyle Shanahan is just a weirdo. Really, like you uh-huh. never know exactly how he's going to dial it up you know what the offense is going to look like and it's going to be very condensed it's going to be short passing game short over the middle of the field uh down the middle of the field i think it's the strengths of his all of his quarterbacks and it's the strength of his pass catchers and playmakers he's run after catch get the ball in their hands short and, and let them do their thing and not a lot of throws down the field and it's almost gone even more in that direction this year and really some of their best games offensively have been almost so gadget like that it's it's not a traditional offense and even not a traditional Kyle Shanahan offense and Debo Samuel who it doesn't look like is going to play this week because he's still injured mm-hmm. has been used almost like a running back throwing him shovel passes mm-hmm. and, and his receptions are coming behind the line of scrimmage and a short little catch and run stuff a ton of screen passes an absurd amount of motions and it's it's so condensed to the point where it's gadgety, where I don't think it's going to be something they can continue to rely on it in that sort of a way. They've got to spread the field a little bit more and allow and just like just signal to the defenses they're playing. It's like, look, you have to have some people back because we might do something, even though you know he wants to do the short catch and run stuff, a lot of slants, a lot of. Um, you know, you're seeing whip routes from the slot guys and you're mm-hmm. seeing screen passes and you're seeing shovel passes and, and, you know, running game. Obviously, he's always big in a Kyle Shanahan offense, so that hasn't really changed. But it's become so condensed, it's almost he, he, Kyle Shanahan's scheme has almost become a character of itself. I understand that. And I mean, you know, you look at the Saints early on in this season, a lot of the concern was how condensed the offense was getting, particularly from a downfield vertical offense type of, uh, of production to where, Things were remaining very close to the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage, like what you're talking about with Debo Samuel. So we know that those those types of offenses can still produce, but obviously it takes a certain level of, uh, of, of execution to be able to do that. What we're seeing right now from the Saints offense is that all of the tendencies that they've established over the first few games, this is now where they get to the point to where over the next few games they'll go and they'll break all of those tendencies. And so you'll start to see them. And they started that last week against Tampa Bay, which is you know a divisional game. So you, when you establish those tendencies, you establish them really, really well. And then you end up breaking those tendencies and they tend to be often more effective that way. And that's a lot of what we saw on Sunday with the Sunday night game. And so a lot of the tendencies that they built, they built with a specific personnel, specific personnel packages. And the Saints have been using upwards of 18 different personnel packages in their games. They had 18 against the against the Bucks. I believe they had about 16 against the Bears. And so they continue to do this and really start to break all of those tendencies. I think you'll still see that happening here over the next few weeks. And in and in the process, they'll also be building new tendencies, which they'll intend to break toward the end of the season before they get into the playoffs. So it'll be really interesting to watch these two offenses sort of figure out 
who they are with their new, with their adjusted personnel as both of them are adjusting just for different purposes and to see how they'll match up against the opposing defenses. You know, and I want to ask about Drew Brees. What have you seen with Drew Brees and just his pure arm talent? Because I think a lot has been made that Drew Brees, oh man, at the end of seasons, he wears down and his arm's not what it used to be. And they're dialing up so much short stuff because Drew Brees can't get the ball down the field. Has that been overblown? I think, I, okay, I don't think it's been overblown. I, I do think that he has trouble getting the ball down the field, and it makes sense because, again, he's, you know, in his, he's 41 years old. But the, the part of it that I think is the more, uh, the, the other part of the conversation is that despite him not being able to push the ball down the field, this team is still six and two. This team is still, you know, was averaging over 30 points per game up to the seventh week of the season. They're still putting up a ton of yardage on the offensive side. Like they're still performing and they're still producing and they're still effective despite that. So I think that that's really the part of the the conversation that I think is really important was not only the fact that, yeah, you can't push the ball down the field, but the Saints offense is still finding out how to produce and be effective despite that. And the efficiency is crazy too. I mean, he's completing 74% of his passes, 17 to three touchdown to interception ratio, uh, a 110 quarterback rating. Uh, you know, those are just sort of the the simple box score stats, but like 70% is the new 60% as far as quarterback completion percentages go. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's crazy how efficient the offense has been. And obviously the running game with Alvin Kamara, who's the Saints leading rusher and receiver. Mm-hmm. By the way, Taysom Hill, 80% completion percentage. Jameis Winston, 100% completion percentage. Yeah, it's really nice and, when you throw one pass, right? <laughs> hey, he completed it, man. He didn't throw it to the other team either. He completed right. it to the right team. So uh, that's really important. Uh, I want to ask you about uh, an element of the game that maybe doesn't get a ton of attention, but you know has been very important for a couple of Saints wins here and its special teams. I'm not super familiar with the uh, 49ers special teams unit or how they produce. For the Saints, they've had several games now to where they've you know, had the starting field position at their own 35 yard line or better while holding opposing teams to, you know, their less, you know, worse than a touchback in terms of their starting field position. How important would that be against San Francisco and their ability to move the ball if New Orleans were to able to continue to pin them back within their own 2025 to start drives? Yeah, the 49ers haven't been great when it comes to hidden yardage this year. And it's not because of special teams, it's because the return game hasn't been great. And a lot mm-hmm. of that has to do with Richie James has been hurt a lot this year. Right. But a lot of it has to do with their offense not holding up there into the bargain. I think they're in the bottom half, bottom third of the league, I think 20th, 21st, 22nd, something like that, starting field position right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, so so their offense isn't holding up their end of the bargain, putting their defense on the field too often. So the kicking game is fine for the 49ers, and I think they're better in the return game with Richie James back there. He's just solid. He's not spectacular, but he might be utilized a little bit more in the passing game too after his breakout last week and with some of the injuries the 49ers have at wide receiver. So the San Francisco 49ers are clearly going to try to be breaking down a wall, particularly with their laundry list of injuries in this game up against the New Orleans Saints. And perhaps you have your wall as well, whether it's mental or physical, break through that wall with Built Go every day. Built Go is a healthy replacement for your energy drink, but the energy is not fake. It's lasting and natural. I use this a couple of times. Go ahead, wake up in the morning and then just knock one back and then I am good for the rest of the day. No crash in the middle of the day. None of that weird laggy feeling that maybe you're going to get with those monster energy drinks or with the five-hour energies. None of that at all. Just natural 
and it's better for the body. This is an energy gel, but they also combine it with collagen protein and get you everything that you need to ignite your work throughout the day, like beta alanine, B3 honey, and a kick of caffeine, three delicious flavors in peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate mint. These are fantastic and good for joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health as well. Visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED. You're going to get 20% off of your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. And um, I, I guess the, the one last sort of big the player that I want to ask you about here is, uh, is Brandon Ayuk. I, I was a huge fan of his in this draft class coming out of uh, Arizona State. Uh, what's sort of been the the his his production and his progress so far in his rookie year? I know he's made some exciting plays, but what about consistency and what could you imagine him uh, looking like this Sunday? Yeah, he's had probably the highlight of the offense so far this year when he had the hurdle mm-hmm. uh, in the end zone earlier this season for a touchdown, and he's he's really good with the ball in his hands. It's the you know classic Kyle Shanahan receiver, and he's dynamic. He's got play speed. He ran a four five zero, but he's much faster than that. He's got yeah. dynamic play speed, and it's that burst after he catches the ball. He's not afraid to go over the middle and and take a slant and turn up field and gain yards. And he's really good with those catch and run routes and a lot of the similar stuff. Debo's he's not as powerful as Debo because Debo's essentially a running back. Once he gets the ball in his hands, he's not that thick and powerful as Debo, but. Uh, he's dynamic as a runner on whatever Kyle Shanahan wants to dial up for him. And in fact, last week's breakout performance from Richie James was because Ayuk wasn't playing because he, along with Trent Williams, was another close contact to Kendrick Bourne. And it's funny because he's probably kicking himself because that was supposed to be his breakout game because Kyle Shanahan admitted after the game that he actually just gave Richie James all of the stuff he had planned to do with Brandon Ayuk. So uh, if you watch last week's game, see how they've used... Debo Samuel, see how they used Richie James last week. They, you know, there's a lot of ways to scheme up getting the ball in Brandon Ayuk's hands, and that's where he is really dangerous. And I think he's still a work in progress as a as a true receiver. And you know, at the catch point down the field, I think some of those things will come. But uh, he's dynamic, and and he is a Kyle Shanahan wide receiver through and through. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. You know what? Actually, one more thing I want to talk about here. Mm-hmm. We haven't really brought up the running game too much, and and obviously one of the Saints' best players, and he's on my fantasy team, and I love Alvin Kamara. He's so smooth. He's still fun to watch because he always seems like he's never in a hurry, and he's so in control, and he's a skinnier guy, but nobody can lay a lick on him. I love watching him play, and I think that's going to be a fascinating aspect of this game just as far as one-on-one matchups go. Alvin Kamara versus Fred Warner, two of the best Mm -hmm. players out there, position groups in the NFL. That's going to be a fun one. It's going to be a tough task for Fred Warner, who I think is going to be a... Uh, an all pro for a very long time and might already be the best inside linebacker in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, Kyle Shanahan's running game is all about angles. And I know the saints just added another X 49er in Quan Alexander to try to maybe help some of that. And, and he's seen that offense a lot in practice. So I wonder how much he will help there because Kyle Shanahan will find the smallest thing, the smallest detail on a defense and he will focus in on it and he will try to kill a team on that he'll know that if he puts a player in motion that this linebacker is going to move six inches too far in one direction that means it's going to open something else up and there's going to be angles here and blocking angles and it's going to open up this huge seam for the running game to counter back the other way so uh how has that saints defense looked particularly at linebacker as they match up with what the 49ers want to do with some of the you know tight over the middle catch and run stuff and particularly against the running game yeah, I mean the over the middle catch and run stuff is one of the them their their production there or I'll say lack thereof on the defensive side is one of the reasons why they went out and got a guy like Juan Alexander because 
while Demario Davis is somebody that you can really trust in his roles, they're kind of having to ask him to do a ton more than we saw him do last year because of the deficiencies in coverage at the linebacker position with Alex Anzalone. So them going out and getting Quan Alexander was probably a, was a bit you know pertained to uh, making sure that they could get Alex Anzalone out of those situations and get Quan Alexander maybe in those coverage situations as well. And really the one to watch for the Saints in the second level when it comes to defending running backs out of the backfield and contributing, whether it be in the run game or in the extended run game, right, passes to the flat screens to the, uh, the, the, the running backs, is actually going to be Malcolm Jenkins more than anything else. He was really all over that assignment last week, and they really sort of figured out a way and Dennis Allen talked about it after the Bucks game, mentioned that they didn't really know, he didn't really know exactly how to deploy Malcolm Jenkins, but now he has a really good idea about how he helps the team and where he's most effective. And then this ends up being the way that he's able to, uh, to do that. And so by allowing him to be a little bit more active uh, around the second level, active in the middle of the field, and then active out of, you know, taking care of backs out of the backfield and playing up closer to the line of scrimmage. So you'll see a little bit of that. And ideally, you see a bit more of an improvement in the middle of the field for the Saints defense with Demario Davis, maybe having some roles that he doesn't necessarily have to carry, you know, uh, receivers or tight ends up the seam. And that could be Quan Alexander's responsibility while he sort of does what he usually does very well, which is prowl the middle of the field and keep an eye on the quarterback and try to take advantage of securing that area of the field. We saw last year that that was a place where the Saints absolutely struggled in their game against San Francisco when they, you know, had Craig Robertson and a couple of other starters out there that hadn't you know played much at all because we're very hurt at that second level now they're healthy there and so you should see some improvement there and it's certainly where they've been focusing a lot to make sure they can protect themselves where they've they've been vulnerable down the field yes but there we're talking about seven plays so far this season and we're talking about you know a 107 passer rating given up over the middle of the field which is like five points above the league average so they're really focusing on trying to shore up that middle of the field and we'll see hopefully immediately if Juan Alexander can have even the slightest impact to provide some improvement there for them this weekend well he's going to bring energy for sure he'll be mm-hmm. flying around somewhere and he might miss some tackles because of it but uh yeah he, he he's definitely the guy i think the 49ers missed him last week he's the guy that that rallies the troops before the game and brings him into a huddle and, and breaks him uh, out of that huddle so uh, yeah. i think the saints that was a smart move the more i think about it because it, it will really help one of the deficiencies on that Saints defense, and he brings so much energy to the field, and I think that's something that a lot of NFL teams need in the second half of the year, especially with how odd this season has been. But we've got to make our predictions, right, Ross? And uh, 49ers players this week talking about how they're excited. This is the first game the 49ers have played where there will be fans in the seats. Right. Uh, I don't know if that will help or hurt the 49ers. I don't know how loud it actually is with how many fans are there in the Superdome, but the the Saints are favored by nine and a half. That's a pretty darn big number, uh, especially considering what we thought this might look like coming into the year. This is a game that, in all honesty, the Saints should win, especially coming off of the big win that they had last week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now they just have to not buy into their own hype a little bit too much and make sure that they go out there and then they win the game that they're supposed to win. So I'll take the Saints in this one, but I'll go 34-24. Yeah, nine and a half, I think, is a, a, kind of a big line. And if one team is going to blow out the other, it's going to be the Saints blowing out the 49ers. But I do think the 49ers can keep it close, although I thought that the last couple of weeks and the 49ers have not played well. One thing that bodes well for them is they don't have, the Saints don't have that downfield threat at wide receiver or quarterback like mm-hmm. and look and, and that's not that's not saying anything against Michael Thomas or Emmanuel Sanders or Drew Brees. It's just that it's not DK Metcalf and Russell Wilson and it's right. not Devontae Adams and 
Aaron Rodgers, who the 49ers just faced. So I think the 49ers can do enough on defense, can play tough enough against Alvin Kamara if their offense is able to move the ball a little bit, keep it closer than nine and a half points. I do not think the 49ers are going to win this game. Uh, I was frightened by how well the Saints played last week. And if that team shows up again, the 49ers are definitely going to be in trouble. But uh, I'll, I'll go with just under that nine and a half. I'll say it's a nine point victory and it will be 21 30 Saints. I love it. I love it. It's going to be a lot of fun uh, watching this game. We get to see the the big rematch we're all waiting for. It's just going to look uh, you know a little bit different than we expected it to look at this point in the season. But both of these teams have something to prove coming into this game, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And um, as always, it's always fun to talk to you. Make sure that you follow Brian on Twitter at BD Peacock. Check him out over at Peacock and Williamson, as well as at Locked on 49ers. And of course, I'm Ross Jackson at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter here with Locked on Saints. Uh, Brian, always a pleasure talking to you, man. Yeah, good, good stuff. And uh, I kind of like this free form episode we did. That, that was that was good. I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. I always yeah. enjoy chatting with you, Ross. All right, family. I will see you tomorrow. We'll update the injury report and get in our film Friday, taking a look at the San Francisco 49ers, just with their tendencies over the last few games with the Saints might be looking for and how they can capitalize. I appreciate y'all as always for coming through. Once again, I'm Ross Jackson. You can find me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're momming them. Tell your friends, family, and fellow Saints fans about the show. And if you haven't already, please take a moment to subscribe. Drop that five-star rating and review. I thank you so much for all your support and for helping me grow this family. It's been Locked on Saints and trust to that nation. I'll holla at you.